0: The media call the 2020 election for Joe Biden as Democrats celebrate across the nation. Biden calls for unity as Democrats call for revenge. And the Senate comes down to Georgia. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Protect your data from prying eyes at expressvpn.com. We'll get to all the news of the day in just one moment. First, You may have noticed that chaos still abounds. We have no idea who actually is going to be in charge of the Senate. In fact, there's still a legal process playing out to see who's going to be president of the United States. But you know what? You should be planning for the future because uncertainty breeds instability in the markets. And this means you should be diversified at least a little bit into precious metals. If you have not diversified a portion of your savings into gold or silver, you're missing out on the greatest hedge against uncertainty and the weakening value of the dollar. Diversify the way I do with Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold is the company I trust to help you legally convert an eligible IRA or 401k into a precious metals IRA. Or you can just buy gold or silver to lock in your personal safe. Text BEN to 474747. Get a free information kit on diversifying into gold and then call Birch Gold. These guys are awesome. I've been working with them for years. That's the reason I've been endorsing them for the past four years. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. Countless five-star reviews. Text BEN to 474747. When open a precious metals IRA, secure your savings today. Again, text BEN to 474747 to get started with them. It's worthwhile diversifying. Remember, 2020 is not yet over, and this has been one hell of a year. And then there's another one after that, and one after that too. Diversify into precious metals by texting BEN to 474747. All righty, so... Over the weekend, the media networks projected that Joe Biden would win. So CNN, of course, was celebratory about this. MSNBC was celebratory about this. Fox News was actually pretty early on the call of the election, suggesting that Joe Biden has won this thing. Now, technically speaking, media projections don't mean anything. Like literally, they mean nothing. It does not say in the Constitution of the United States that when CNN and MSNBC and Fox News all declare that somebody has been projected to win an election, that that election is now over. That is not the way the legal process works. And the person challenging the outcome of the election has every legal right. And indeed, if they suspect serious fraud, a legal duty to go ahead and investigate all of those allegations. And as I've been saying all week, as maybe the most consistent member of the media, the election is not over until all the votes are counted and all of the legal processes have played themselves out. When I said this on Tuesday, I got ripped by some people. When I said it on Friday, I got ripped by precisely the opposite people. But here is the reality. That is always the case. It is always the case that the election is not over until it's over. And right now. It is still not over because there are legal processes in place. The Trump campaign is going to have to show voter fraud, enough voter fraud that would call into into consideration the outcome of the election. So it's not just enough to allege that there is one voter fraud case in Philadelphia in order to invalidate the entire Pennsylvania election where President Trump is trailing by something on the order of 35 to 40,000 votes. It is not enough for President Trump to claim that there is some sort of of miasmatic, gigantic voter fraud that is happening across the country without providing proof of the extent of that fraud, he's going to have to prove it in court. And if he does, the outcome of the election changes. And if he doesn't, it doesn't. Right? That is all that is happening here. But the notion that the media gets to call this thing and then everybody goes home and you are bad if you refuse to say that it's over, right, you've done something deeply wrong if you refuse to say that it's over. I'm not gonna hear that crap from the same media who suggested for four long years that Hillary Clinton was the legit president of the United States, for two long years, that Stacey Abrams is the legit governor of Georgia. That is not the way any of this works. I'm amazed to watch the members of our esteemed media suggest that if you are a senator like Ted Cruz, and if you refuse to say that Joe Biden is the president-elect of the United States at this point, that is because you are bad. Chris Wallace suggested over the weekend that Ted Cruz, for not saying President-elect Biden, was like a Japanese soldier holding out after World War II. No, not exactly. There's an entire legal process. The inauguration doesn't happen until January 20th. The final certification of the electors does not happen until December. So guess what? Actually, nobody has a responsibility to call Biden President-elect because technically speaking, fact check here, guys. He's not President-elect yet. Okay, that's not the way any of this works. Anyway, here is CNN projecting the Biden win, and you can see they can barely veil their uh, their absolute glee that they believe that Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States.
1: CNN projects Joseph R. Biden Jr. is elected the 46th president of the United States, winning the White House and denying President Trump a second term. We're able to make this projection because CNN projects Biden wins Pennsylvania, the former vice president in his third run for the highest office, pulling off a rare defeat of a sitting commander-in-chief. With this victory, Kamala Harris is set to become the first woman and the first person of color to be the vice president.
0: Okay, fact check there. She's not the first person of color ever to be vice president, even if she is elected. Actually, the vice president under Herbert Hoover was a Native American. But in any case, in any case, you can see that the media are just gleeful. They are so excited about all of this. Not quite so fast, guys. Number one, still got a legal process to get through. Number two, as we're going to find out, it turns out That your entire media narrative, which is that Donald Trump is the root of all evil and that as soon as Donald Trump is out of office, Joe Biden has fulfilled his mandate. The skies will part. Rays of sunshine will shine down on the. (laughs) Uh, Get ready, gang. And not not quite so fast. The fight is only beginning. It is only beginning. And I know that we're all supposed to be just gleeful that President Trump is out. But here's the thing. Joe Biden. Even if he's elected, gonna be a crappy president. Also, Joe Biden gonna be saddled in all likelihood with the Republican Senate. Also, Joe Biden gonna be saddled on his left by a resurgent progressive left that nearly lost the Democrats the House in a year they were supposed to pick up 10 to 12 seats in the House of Representatives. So all of your celebration, I mean, if, and if you pan that camera around, if you just turn the camera around, it's just a bunch of CNN anchors and staffers, Jeffrey Tubining, over behind their laptops, right? As, as, as Wolf Blitzer announces it, they're just tubining over there. And journalism getting everywhere. Okay, the, the, the fact is that this fight is only beginning. So all the glee that you're seeing, I know a lot of conservatives today are depressed and upset that the media called this thing. A lot of conservatives are upset because they think that the future of the country is basically now trash. Okay, that is, that is not correct. Okay, you know what Democrats won, even if they won, which again, the process is not over. Even if Democrats won the presidency of the United States, they did so with a geriatric, old, useless person who is not capable of actually running an administration that will be in any way successful with, for, for progressive values. Okay, th- this election, except for the top of the ticket, where again, there's still uncertainty, except for the top of the ticket, this is a widespread victory for conservatives. Except for the top of the ticket, it was a widespread victory and a widespread rejection of progressive values. And the left's gonna try and push anyway. We're gonna get to all of that in just one second. Anyway, President Trump put out a statement about Joe Biden. Joe Biden immediately claimed victory as soon as the media started projecting this stuff. Now, let me just make the opposite point. Let's say that the media had projected that Donald Trump was gonna win the election. And let us say that that Donald Trump had immediately declared victory. And Joe Biden had said, listen, I still have questions, legally speaking. You think the media would be treating this the same way? You think the media would have been rushing to the microphones and the cameras to encourage every Democrat to concede the election? I really think not. Here's President Trump's statement. We all know why Joe Biden is rushing to falsely pose as the winner and why his media allies are trying so hard to help him. They don't want the truth to be exposed. The simple fact is this election is far from over. Joe Biden has not been certified as the winner of any states, let alone any of the highly contested states headed for mandatory recounts or states where our campaign has valid and legitimate legal challenges that could determine the ultimate victor. In Pennsylvania, for example, our legal observers were not permitted meaningful access to watch the counting process. Legal votes decide who is president, not the news media. Beginning on Monday, our campaign will start prosecuting our case in court to ensure election laws are fully upheld and the rightful winner is seated. The American people are entitled to an honest election. That means counting all legal ballots and not counting any illegal ballots. That is the only way to ensure the public has full confidence in our election. It remains shocking that the Biden campaign refuses to agree with this basic principle and wants ballots counted even if they are fraudulent, manufactured or cast by ineligible or deceased voters. Only a party engaged in wrongdoing would unlawfully keep observers out of the count room and then fight in court to block their access, which actually did happen in Philadelphia. So what is Biden hiding? I will not rest until the American people have the honest vote count they deserve and that democracy demands. First of all, I think that the legal process is a very good thing. There is a lot of uncertainty right now about the, the cleanliness and transparency of the election, particularly on the conservative side of the aisle. Getting all of those questions answered in court is not a bad thing. It's a very good thing. And by the way, if you're a Biden fan, you should want this. Honestly, if you're a Biden fan and you think that Biden was legit elected and voter fraud was not the deciding factor and it wasn't vote irregularity or anything like that, then at the end of the process, Biden's still going to be president-elect and you're going to be able to say that the election was fully legitimate and so you don't have that cloud hanging over Biden all the way. But right now, there are a lot of conservatives who are rightly suspicious of the vote count in places like Philadelphia. And by the way, there's no reason not to be suspicious, given the fact that particularly in Philadelphia... It is worthwhile noting the Democratic Party did, in fact, file a lawsuit to stop Republican observers from entering the count room. That makes people suspicious and they're not wrong to be suspicious about all of that. It also doesn't make us any less suspicious on the right when you have people like Ibram Kendi, the ideological godfather of the, quote unquote, anti-racist movement, tweeting out crap like this. He tweeted out the term legal vote is as fictionally fraught and functionally racist as the terms illegal alien and race neutral and welfare queen and handouts and super predator and crack baby and personal responsibility and post-racial. Okay, this is one of the ideological founders of the new democratic party. That the term legal vote is functionally racist? Seriously, like you expect me to trust the vote when you are saying that the term legal vote is functionally racist? I'm sorry, what now? Like legal vote is not functionally racist. Legal vote just means that you complied with all of the statutory requirements to cast a vote. That's not functionally racist. But of course, Ibram Kendi is a complete nut job. I mean, Ibram Kendi is also, I mean, in that same phraseology, he says that if you say that you are post-racial or if you say that you are race neutral, this is also functionally racist. He says, the misinformation of widespread voter fraud or illegal voting in Detroit, Philadelphia, Atlanta, and Phoenix, where black and brown voters predominate, is baked into the term legal vote. No matter what GOP propaganda says, there's nothing wrong with those voters and votes. Nobody says that any legal vote that is cast is illegal, what is he even talking about? There has been a history of voter corruption in places like Philadelphia. I read you last week a story from Philadelphia in May. There was a federal prosecution of a person for stuffing ballot boxes in Philadelphia. But again, I'm just wondering, how do you expect everybody everybody on the right to be quiescent until there's an actual legal process? Let the legal process work. Let the legal process go through. Ibram Kendi concludes, what makes a term racist is rarely the term's literal meaning and almost always the historical and political context in which the term is being used, which is his way of saying, I know the term legal voting isn't racist. I'm just going to say that it's racist because I, Ibram Kendi, have deemed every single thing I don't like to be a racist thing. And then I get 20 grand a pop to go speak at diversity training seminars at major corporations hoping to avoid liability. (laughs) That's Ibram Kendi' shtick. Okay, so that is where the race currently stands. Trump has a burden to overcome for sure because the deficit that he has experienced in terms of voting in Arizona, Georgia, and Pennsylvania is essentially the same on a thousands level as the vote deficit that Hillary Clinton had in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania last time around. So that is, he has to show not just that there is voter fraud or voter irregularity. he has to show that it is actually above and beyond the margin of loss in those particular states. That is a heavy burden, and he will have to prove it in court. And if he does, the election results change. And if he doesn't, they don't. But to preemptively declare the election is over, and anybody who has questions about the election needs to sit down and shut up that's nonsense. That's nonsense. Okay, so in just a second, we're gonna get to Joe Biden. So Joe Biden, after all the networks declare this thing, Joe Biden appears and he makes a speech. And his speech is, is fascinating for its absolute disconnect from reality. Absolute disconnect from reality. And Megan Kelly got in all sorts of Twitter hot water, which is to say meaningless banter with a bunch of idiots when she suggested that Joe Biden's call for unity in his quote unquote victory speech, Joe Biden's call for unity is completely disconnected from realities on the ground. And people are like, how dare she? She's she's absolutely right. We're gonna get to Joe Biden's quasi-victory speech, right? his declaration of victory in just one second. First, let us talk about the fact that sometimes you just need to upgrade your staff. I mean, you have great staff where you are. You have a lot of great people working for you, but sometimes you just need something better. Let's say you have a brand new PA working on the show, Jessica, and she's just wonderful. I mean, she's great at her job. She comes in, she's all fresh-faced and enthusiastic. It's literally her first day. And the first thing she does is she parks in somebody else's parking slot because she's just she's big shotting everyone on literally her first day. Well, then you'd want to head on over to ZipRecruiter.com and see what other possibilities lie out there for you. ZipRecruiter.com slash dailywire You can try it out for free. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, it gets sent out to over 100 top job boards with just one click. And then. ZipRecruiter's powerful technology finds people with the right skills and experience for your job and actively invites them to apply. It's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the very first day. See for yourself right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com dailywire. That is ZipRecruiter.com D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. Let ZipRecruiter take hiring off your plate so you can focus on growing your business. Go to ZipRecruiter.com dailywire and hire yourself a PA who's not going to steal somebody's parking slot on the very first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest, way to hire. Okay, so Joe Biden, celebratory time, celebration time for Joe Biden. So Joe Biden comes out and he does a unity speech. And now there's something particularly going for conservatives in hearing a unity speech from Captain, they're going to put you all back in chains circa 2012. Captain, big effing deal, Obamacare. Captain, everybody who doesn't vote for me is kind of a terrible person. And you ain't black if you didn't vote for me. And all that, like Joe Biden is Captain Unification is already ridiculous. On its face, it's ridiculous. I'm, I'm glad to hear Joe Biden talk in terms of unification. Let us say I have some trust issues. I have some serious trust issues with Joe Biden and a Democratic party who have spent the last, I don't know, 20 years of my life declaring that everybody who disagrees with them is a racist, sexist, bigoted homophobe. I just have some trust issues there. Why is it that as soon as a Democrat is elected, all the Democrats and members of the media start crying out about unity and common values a Republican is elected, it's about how America is in a deep, dark, fascist place. Democracy dies in darkness. The asteroid of evil is about to hit the earth, and it's big and orange and has Trump's face on it. It's weird how that works, isn't it? It's very strange how the rhetoric immediately changes from, we are living under Armageddon. The fascist regime is at hand. When a Republican is president, it doesn't matter if it's Bush, doesn't matter if it's Trump. And then as soon as a Democrat's elected, it's like, all the clouds part, the choir of angels sing, and we're supposed to all get on board, man. We're all supposed to be together on this thing. We're all gonna wrap our arms around each other. A new day has dawned. The Berlin Wall has... Fu- okay, you're full of crap. You're absolutely full of crap. When I hear Joe Biden talk about unity, we all know what he means by unity. He means you you agree with me or I'm gonna say that you're a bad person because that's what democratic unity typically means. Barack Obama did this routine in 2009. Okay, Barack Obama came along in 2009. And he did, there's no red states. There's no blue states. There's just the United States. We have so much more in common, so much more we share than we have that separates us. Also, I hate you and you're garbage. And if you don't agree with me, it's because you're probably racist because you don't like my middle name. If you disagree with me, it's because you share the characteristics of a long history of American racism. I'm I'm sorry. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Okay, not from Nancy Pelosi, not from Chuck Schumer, not from AOC and not from Joe Biden. Okay, when Joe, Joe, Captain, I'm going to Bork, Robert Bork, and then brag about it. Captain, I'm going to go after Clarence Thomas and then brag about it. Mr. Everybody who disagrees with me is a bad person. But if you agree with me, then the okay, unification through agreement is not unification. The, the, the basic notion here is that when Joe Biden says he wants unity and we're all going to calm down and it's all going to go back to normal. I, I remember a time before Trump. I know I've said this one, almost literally one million times. Okay, since Trump was elected, it's as though the media in their quest to make Trump the root of all evil have to pretend that the time began at point at point A. And point A is the moment Trump was elected. Everything before that was washed away, right? We, it was a unique era in American racism. It's the worst America's ever been. Politics before Trump was a golden age, a halcyon age of people loving each other and being friends and everything was great. And Barack Obama's only scandal was a tan suit. And then Donald Trump came in, malicious and evil. And now Donald Trump goes away. And oh my gosh, wow, well, look at that. It's amazing. Everything's great again. Hey, okay, that's Joe Biden's entire shtick. There's only one problem. Everything isn't great again. As I said, one, as I, also I said one million times. Donald Trump was not the murderer of American politics. He was the coroner of American politics. He came along and he pointed at the body and he said, this body is cold. This is a dead body. This is a corpse. Okay, it wasn't Donald Trump who's plunging the knife into the body politic. The body politic was already, it was already cancer ridden. And the notion that Donald Trump going away, if indeed he goes away, is going to heal the country in any serious way is laughable. It is laughable on its face. And does that mean that I'm anti Joe Biden calling for unity? No, I'm I'm glad when any politician calls for unity if I think it has content. My suspicion is that it has no content. That unity is just another club that Joe Biden is going to wield against you. Because if you don't side with him, well, then you're against unity, guys. You're against us being compatriots and friends. If you don't side with him, this means that you are an impediment to unity and kindness and all that is decent. It's one thing to say that you want unity with people you disagree with because you have certain shared fundamental values. It is another thing to say, it's time for America to unify because Trump is out of office and that means get behind me on my program. And I think we all know which direction this is going and it's not in the, uni- and it's not in the direction of unity through diversity. That's called federalism. It's called localism. You think Joe Biden's gonna push for federalism and localism at this point? And you think he's gonna push for diverse people living with one another and agreeing in tolerance for each other's values? You think that's what he's gonna push for? Or do you think he's gonna push to sue the little sisters of the poor to force them to cover contraceptive care? Which which one sounds more like Joe Biden to you? Okay, we can get to Joe Biden's speech in just one second. Because again, when I say take it with a grain of salt, I mean like a pillar of salt direct from Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Take all of this with a pillar of salt, like a giant human-sized pillar of salt. We'll get to that in just one second. First, if you listened to my show a few weeks ago, I told you about an amazing new company that lets anyone invest in blue chip art. It's called masterworks.io. Masterworks.io is the only way to invest in blue chip art from artists like Cows and Monet. The kind of artists you see hanging at museums you can now own in your own portfolios. And normally, it was for literally generations and centuries that only the very richest could invest in art, right? You could only afford a Monet painting if you were ridiculously wealthy. It would hang on your wall. It would accrue value. And then later, you'd be able to sell it for increased value. Art, great art does hold value. Okay, but what if you could own like a slice of that, and then you'd be investing in the increased value of the art? The wealthiest of the wealthy CEOs, hedge fund managers, tech scions have been investing in art as a way to protect their wealth and outperform the stock market for decades. Between 2000 and 2018, blue chip art outperformed the stock market by 180%. Investing in art is very relevant. We've seen how unpredictable the stock market has been over the last few months. That's why I could not be more excited to get started with masterworks.io. They make investing in art as easy as trading stocks online. I've checked out their website. I've worked it through. It is simple. It is easy. And it could be very lucrative. As a listener to the show, you're able to skip their 25,000 person waitlist by going to masterworks.io and using promo code Ben. Again, that's masterworks.io, promo code Ben to get started today. M-A-S-T-E-R-W-O-R-K-S.io, promo code Ben, get started today. See important information at masterworks.io slash disclaimer. Okay, so now we get to Joe Biden's rhetoric. So Joe Biden gives this supposedly unifying speech. Now, number one, even if I were inclined to believe him, Uh, Let's just say that I'm disinclined to believe that Joe Biden is even going to be president four years from now, let alone eight years from now. So what he has to say may have about as much relevance as what William Henry Harrison said during his inauguration. In any case, you know who agrees with me? Uh, Siri on Apple. As of this morning, if you asked Siri, what is the birthday of the president, it gave you Kamala Harris's birthday. Not kidding. That's a real thing that happened this morning. I suppose that Apple has now fixed that, but uh, they said the quiet part out loud. Anyway, here was Joe Biden calling for Uh, suggesting that America has spoken and he has emerged victorious.
1: The people of this nation have spoken. They've delivered us a clear victory, a convincing victory, a victory
0: for we, the people. Oh, it it was a clear convincing victory of exactly the same margin in the swing states as Donald Trump won last time. So every time Trump said that last time, it was Donald Trump is lying. Now Joe Biden says it. And it's like, oh, well, I guess that we'll just take that at face value. Okay, and then he talks about Kamala Harris and why she's so great. And of course, the only reason, according to Joe Biden, that Kamala Harris is so great is because, of course, of her individual racial characteristics.
1: Well, I have the honor of serving with the fantastic vice president who you just heard from Kamala Harris. (laughs) Who makes history as the first woman, first black woman, the first woman from South Asian descent. The first daughter of an immigrant ever elected in this country. Once again, America's bent the arc of the moral universe more toward justice.
0: Okay, so first of all, if you thought that it was impossible for a black woman to be elected vice president of the United States, I remind you that four years ago, the president of the United States was a black man. So I'm always amused by the idea that we have to have all of this this bevy of new firsts. It's all stunning as though America had like a specific barrier to a black woman being vice president of the United States or something, which is which is silly. It is worth noting, by the way, that for a party that declares that America is systemically racist and totally evil, it is kind of amazing that the daughter of two immigrants who is black is able to be vice president of the United States. I mean, America, I've been told, is the most racist country on the face of the earth. So that's kind of an amazing thing, right? We've had a black president and now a black female vice president all in the space of the last five years. And America is still systemically racist and evil. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible how America continues to be that way, given the fact that we are, in fact, the most tolerant people on the face of the earth. Okay, Joe Biden then continues, and then he talks about his his racial coalition. And there is a a, a undertone here that is not good for the United States. Here is Biden.
1: I'm proud of the campaign we built and ran. I'm proud of the coalition we put together. The broadest and most diverse coalition in history. Gay, straight, transgender, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, and especially those moments where this campaign was at its lowest ebb. The African-American community stood up again for me. You've always had my back, and I'll have yours.
0: Okay, can I just point out that if anybody else made that comment about any other racial group in the United States, who would be considered racist and kind of scary. Seriously, like you should not be doing that as a politician, certainly not as president of the United States. Imagine if, if Donald Trump had come out the day after the 2016 election, and he had said, and to white, non-college educated males, I say, you always have my back and I'll always have yours. Everybody would go, whoa, what, what now? Hold up. You're the president for all Americans. You're not the president by specific racial group. Of course, this harkens back to Barack Obama's 2012 campaign when he did separate Americans by racial group and try to appeal to them by racial group and then cobble together a coalition of the ascendant was the basic idea. Everybody's going to just ignore that Joe Biden said that, right, that the black community stood for him. And so he will stand for them. I mean, what what is the uh, I have a question. What is the converse of that, that if they had not voted for him, then he would not have that? Like, what does that mean? We should not be separating Americans by racial group and then specifically saying, I will have your back because you had my back. Like, that's, that's not a good thing. It's just politically speaking and for the future, unity of the country, that is not a good thing. Okay, then Joe Biden got to his real message, which was, it's time for us to get together and be friends again. Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? Trump- it, was, it was not the best rendition of the song. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, let us talk about shopping for life insurance. So, you're a responsible human being. I know you are because you listen to the show. And that means that you know already, because you've already heard me say it, that if you are a human with dependents, you need to make sure that you have life insurance. And this is why you need Policy Genius. Policy Genius makes it really easy. They combine a cutting-edge insurance marketplace with help from licensed experts to save you time and save you money. Right now, you could save 50% or more by using Policy Genius to compare life insurance. When you're shopping for a policy that could last for more than a decade, the savings really do start to add up. Here's how it works. First, head on over to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need and compare quotes from top insurers to find your best price. PolicyGenius will compare policies starting at as little as $1 a day. You might even be eligible to skip that in-person medical exam. Once you apply, the PolicyGenius team will handle all the paperwork as well as the red tape. The best part, they work for you, not the insurance company. So if you hit any speed bumps during the application process, they'll take care of everything for you soup to nuts. So if you need life insurance, head on over to policygenius.com right now to get started. You could say 50% or more by comparing quotes, policy genius. When it comes to insurance, it is nice and very, very important to get it right. Go check them out right now, policygenius.com to get started. Okay, so then we get to the main message of Joe Biden's quasi-victory speech. And I keep saying quasi-victory speech because he hasn't won anything yet. Right, guys? There's still a legal process. I know CNN called something, but who cares? Who cares? Doesn't say in the Constitution. And when Wolf Blitzer says a thing, it magically becomes true. Anyway, Joe Biden gave his, his speech in Wilmington, Delaware, 70 feet from his basement. And, uh, and he explained that it was time to put away harsh rhetoric, says, Captain, I'll put you all back in chains and you ain't black if you don't vote for Joe Biden. Time to put away harsh rhetoric, is it? Mm-hmm. Here's Joe Biden.
1: It's time to put away the harsh rhetoric, lower the temperature, see each other again, listen to each other again. And to make progress, we have to stop treating our opponents as our enemies. They are not our enemies. They are Americans. The Bible tells us. To everything, there is a season, a time to build, a time to reap, and a time to sow, and a time to heal. This is the time to heal in America.
0: It's a time to heal, guys. It's a time to heal. So here's the question you should be asking yourself. What kind of healing are we talking about, Joe? Are we talking about the kind of healing where you acknowledge there are people who disagree with you, and then we all decide to live together and leave each other alone? because that's my kind of healing, right? I like the kind of healing where California gets to be as dumb as California wants to be and Florida gets to be as awesome as Florida gets to be. And if you're religious, you get to be religious. And if you're secular, you get to be secular. And nobody puts their values on somebody else's back, right? That—that's that, kind. Of, honestly, that's my kind of living together is where we have certain core values like the protection of human life, right? Like, the free, like freedom of speech, freedom of the press, like the ones that are in the constitution mainly. And then we mostly leave each other alone. Or the, the values of the Declaration of Independence, we agree on that. And then we agree to go our separate ways and we still have a community because we are connected by these basic ideas. That's my idea of healing. I don't think that's what Joe Biden means by healing. I think what Joe Biden means by healing is here's my Democratic Party agenda. And if you disagree with it, you're not part of the healing. Why aren't you part of the healing? I'm gonna clock you in the head unless you're part of the healing. Heal with me, heal, right? I, I don't think this is going to be an era of tolerance. The fight is just beginning. We'll see this in just one second when you see what the Democratic Party, who is not Joe Biden, is actually saying. While Joe Biden is out there putting a nice friendly... Potemkin village facade on what is a seething undercurrent of rage inside the Democratic Party. Okay, So then Joe Biden talks about his mandate. This, I think this is my favorite part of Joe Biden's little speech is where he talked about his, uh, his mandate as president. It turns out his mandate as president is blah. Really, I mean, it's it just blah. That's the only way to describe it because it means nothing. It's meaningless. It's meaningless slogans, actually, it turns out. His mandate isn't for a tax increase. His mandate is not for the Green New Deal. His mandate is not for any of his major policy prescriptions. Joe Biden himself expresses it. His mandate is to be a nice man, which, wow, what a mandate. Big thing's going to happen because Joe Biden is a nice old man. Here's Grandpa Joe. What is our mandate?
1: I believe it's this. America called upon us to marshal the forces of decency, the forces of fairness, to marshal the forces of science and the forces of hope in the great battles of our time. The battle to control the virus. The battle to build prosperity. The battle to secure your family's health care. The battle to achieve racial justice and root out systemic racism in this country. And the battle to save our planet by getting climate under control. The battle to restore decency, defend democracy. And gave everybody in this country a fair shot.
0: You get that? That's a strong mandate right there. That's a strong mandate for decency, McFairness, McScience, McHopey. Right? Strong agenda right there. Science, McHopey, McFairness, decency face. Wow. Wow. What a strong mandate. Not for a specific agenda, mind you. But to be a nice guy who cares about things. Not What, what things? Any things. Like the things. Like science and decency and democracy and hope. And massages of random women and smelling their hair, like lots of lots of things. Like there's a mandate, guys. Okay, now what's hilarious about that, of course, is that he just says, I won a historic election. I want a historic election. And now I have a mandate. A mandate who has... Okay, all right, fine. That doesn't seem like a very strong mandate, but sure, go with it. Okay, and then he pledges again, we're gonna end the era of demonization. We're gonna end the era of demonization. Again, you know, I don't even need to play more Joe Biden because it's the same message over and over. Right? I'm going to work as hard for everybody as people. If you didn't vote for me, I'm going to work hard for you, and we're going to get together, and we're going to be best friends again, and we're going to play disco. It's going to be amazing, guys. It's gonna be, we're going to cure disease like cancer and Alzheimer's. Right? He, he said that. He's going to cure cancer and uh, Alzheimer's. He's looking ahead to an America that's freer and more just, that creates jobs with dignity and respect, and that cures diseases like cancer and Alzheimer's. By the way, I will note a piece of odd timing. Pfizer today, today announced that they have developed a vaccine that is 90% effective at preventing coronavirus infections. They announced it today. Weird timing. They wait until after the weekend when uh, the media announced that Joe Biden is president. And then magically, just like the, the clouds parting, Pfizer announces this. Count me slightly suspicious. Like it's great news, but let me just point something out. Donald Trump was president when Pfizer got the money to develop that vaccine. That's a Trump administration accomplishment. That is not a Joe Biden accomplishment. Anyway, okay, so that is the message of Joe Biden, right? is that he has a mandate for niceness and happiness and fairness and brotherhood and smoking dope and hanging out and watching the moon rise and all that kind of stuff, right? It's gonna be change face. part two, except weird and old and white. That's gonna, it's gonna be fantastic. Then there, is <laughs> then there is the Democratic Party. And let me just say, when they say unity, I don't think that they mean that we get together and we sing Kumbaya. I think they mean unity, like here's a re-education camp. Would you like to come this way? then we can be unified afterward. Like Fahrenheit 451, reunification. What if we could be unified because you think like me? And so if Joe Biden wants wants to actually promote unity, seriously, this is a serious thing now. If Joe Biden wants to promote unity, at some point he has to speak to his own side. Here's the thing. In any relationship, if you want there to be any sort of comedy between people, you have to go to the people who are creating division on your own side and tell them to knock it off. You have to have a sister soldier moment. Bill Clinton famously did this in 1992. There was a, a very little-known rapper named Sister Soldier who said something racially terrible about conflict between the races, and Clinton chided her, right? This is a big moment. He kind of picked her out of a hat and went after her, specifically in order to have this unity moment. There were some of us throughout the Trump administration who loved what Trump was doing, but we were not super happy with a lot of the divisive things that Trump was saying, and we would call that out, right? I've not seen one iota of that from the Democrats. Not one iota. Not one. Okay, like... I'll believe that Joe Biden wants unity when he says to Michelle Obama, knock it off. Because here's what Michelle Obama tweeted over the weekend, right? The heart and soul of the Democratic Party. She put an Instagram post and here's what she put out in her Instagram post. Voting in one election isn't a magic wand and neither is winning one. Let's remember that tens of millions of people voted for the status quo, even when it meant supporting lies, hate, chaos, and division. Does that sound like a kumbaya message to you? Does that sound like, she wants to understand people on the other side or like she cares about people on the other side? Does that sound like Michelle Obama, who is in fact the Oprah Winfrey of the Democratic Party, right? She is this, this mom of the Democratic Party who we're all supposed to respect her opinion because she's so nice and wonderful. And, and she's, become, she's moved from being sort of a, a divisive figure in her early iteration to this great unifying figure, the best-selling author in the United States for the past several years. She literally says that tens of millions of Americans are motivated by hate and division and chaos to maintain the status quo. When is Joe Biden gonna say, listen, Michelle, we need to have unity. Stop saying that about your fellow Americans. Stop it, right? Just stop it. Stop implying that people, not implying, saying openly that people who disagree with you are motivated by a willingness to ignore hatred and brutality and evil and nastiness just to maintain the status quo. You think Joe Biden's gonna say any of that? Of course, Joe Biden's not gonna say any of that because his own base is clamoring for blood. They're baying for political blood at this point. You got Jennifer Rubin who used to be labeled the conservative voice over at the Washington Post, which is hilarious. So Jennifer Rubin went on MSNBC after the media declared Joe Biden victorious. And again, there's a legal process. He's not, in fact, the president-elect of the United States, yet, legally speaking. Jennifer Rubin went, went on there, and she turned into Fezzik from Princess Bride. They put her in a Holocaust cloak, lit it on fire, and she starts going, there will be no survivors. Here is Jennifer Rubin going completely hog wild.
1: It's not only that Trump has to lose, but that all his enablers have to lose. They have to, we have to collectively, in essence, burn down the Republican Party. Um, we have to level them, because if there are survivors, if there are people who weathered this storm, they will do it again. They will take this as confirmation that, hey, it just pays to ride the waves. Look at me. I've made it through. And so
0: up and down the ticket, federal, state, local offices, the country has to repudiate this. Okay, so there will be no survivors, guys. There can't be survivors. We need to take a list and check it twice and then murder everyone. (laughs) Like, does that sound like unity to you? Joe Biden's out there. I like unity and and, and mashed potatoes. And then you got over here, Michelle Obama going, half the country is motivated by hate and chaos and division. And then you got Jennifer Rubin out here going, there must be no survivor. AOC did the same thing. AOC, I'm sorry. I keep calling her AOC. I keep forgetting. It is sexist and mean to call her by her Twitter handle. AOC. Instead, she's the Honorable Representative Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez D. Twitch. Okay, she tweeted out, is anyone archiving these Trump sycophants for when they try to downplay or deny their complicity in the future? I foresee decent probability of many deleted tweets, writings, photos in the future. She's keeping a list. Right? We got to keep a list of their bad tweets, of when they support Trump. LOL, at the party of personal responsibility, like being upset at the idea of being responsible for their behavior over the last four years. Right, this is a call for revenge. Anybody who supported Trump at any point must be revenged upon. Vengeance. Elizabeth Abrams, who is a former Buttigieg campaign staffer, she tweeted out, we're launching the Trump Accountability Project to make sure anyone who took a paycheck to help Trump undermine America is held responsible for what they did. Join us and help spread the war. Blacklists. This sounds like a party that's looking for unification and healing. That Like, Debathification, right? They're looking for de- unity through debathification because you understand Trump was Saddam Hussein and getting rid of Trump, that means that anybody who ever liked Trump or voted for him, the 70 million Americans who voted for Trump, 70 million Americans voted for Donald Trump. You know who is the second largest ballot winner in the history of the United States right now by popular vote count? Donald Trump. He's won more votes than Barack Obama ever did. Okay, some of that is due to population growth. Some of that is because lots and lots of people voted for Donald Trump. Okay, so you're talking about 70 million Americans. Debathification of 70 million Americans. But but unity, guys, unity. Peter Beinart, who is the the representative of Hamas, he tweeted out, in the 1990s, I came to know many young conservative journalists. Now some are household names. Back then, I never imagined a moral test that would so vividly expose their characters. Some abetted tyranny. Others resisted it. Trump x-rayed their souls. I'll never forget what I saw. Well, I mean, if Peter Beinart, who still makes excuses for Hamas terrorists, is saying that he has x-rayed souls, then I guess that we'll have to take him at his word. Yes, I, see, I foresee an era of healing and national unity or alternatively, I see an era in which Joe Biden is driven by the left in his party to wage war upon all the values that many Americans hold dear, especially an election where Americans rejected the progressive left. Understand, this is an election where Americans looked at the, proje- at the progressive left and they vomited on it. Hey, even in California, they rejected a couple of very progressive measures. There was one measure that was going to kill Uber and Lyft. They killed it. There was a measure that was going to reinstall affirmative action in the Constitution of the state of California, essentially. They rejected it overwhelmingly. All across the country, radicals were rejected. The Democratic Party was handed a loss in the House in a year where their top ballot getter won a record number of votes, more votes than any other candidate in the history of the Republic. And they lost seats in the House. They picked up two seats in the Senate and lost one in Alabama. Okay, that is not a victorious party. The Democrats who are calling for healing and reunification through de good luck with that. Good luck. The battle has just begun. Again, this is not a time of reunification and healing. I wish it were. I need, seriously, I do. I wish that Joe Biden would say to his own left, guys, you need to cut it out. Seriously, you guys need to stop this. We still have certain values in common. Let me spell them out for you. And they do not involve using the power of the government gun to compel my political opponents to do things that are against their constitutional rights. Wouldn't that be nice? But he ain't gonna do that. And y'all know he ain't gonna do that. All of this happy talk is just, all it is, is just pasting a sticker over a gaping wound in the body politic. And we all know it. We all know it. And you can see it in real time. We're going to get to the celebratory insanity of the left in just one moment. First, let us talk about the fact that now is an excellent time to own a gun. Okay? First of all, Joe Biden has already pledged that he wants to come after your guns, right? He would like to sign executive orders removing your guns from you. We'll get to his plans in a second. Turns out they're not very healing plans. Who would have thought? But there are also a lot of people out there who wish to restrict your gun rights in the Democratic Party. Well, you need to own a gun because the fact is the crime rates have been going up, particularly in America's major cities. Also, you just want to protect your rights. You want to protect your family. The USCCA knows that. But it's not just enough to own a gun. You also have to know how to use a gun and you have to have the legal protection behind you if, God forbid, you actually have to use a gun in self-defense. You need the proper education, industry-leading training to ensure your skills are sharp when faced with danger, and you need the nation's best legal protection should you find yourself lost in the aftermath of a self-defense incident. You need the USCCA. Get started today by texting GUN to 87222. You'll receive the complete uh, complete concealed carry and family defense guide for free. In the guide, you're going to learn how to detect attackers before they see you, how to survive a mass shooting, seven firearms drills that could save your life, and much, much more. It is 164 pages. It comes with a bonus audio version, so you can listen whenever you want. Go check them out right now when you text GUN to 87222, G-U-N to 87222. You will also be entered to win 1000 bucks to put toward a gun of your choice that you can use to protect your family. Get started right now with my friends over at the USCCA. Text GUN to 87222 right now. Again, text GUN to 87222. Okay, in just a second, we'll get to the the celebrations in the streets because it turns out, guys, COVID's over. The wokest virus in America, it's back, man, and it's super woke. We're going to get that in just one second. First, you may have noticed that this is an incredibly tight race. It is not over yet, and we've kept you in the loop every step of the way. It is still too soon to call the race. Join Daily Wire right now. Get 25% off with code ELECTIONS so you can keep up with us on all of the unfolding twists and turns. Not only that. We have enormous plans for the next four years, regardless of who the president turns out to be. The fight has only just begun. I'm ecstatic to announce that Candace Owens, New York Times bestselling author, founder of the Blexit movement, will be launching a brand new show with us early next year in Nashville, as well as writing content for us over at dailywire.com. We're also launching an entertainment channel like real live, like big movies, a new investigative journalism team, building partnerships with like-minded content creators like PragerU, whose entire show library will be available to dailywire.com members by the end of the year. You get all of that when you become a member. We are fighting back on every cultural and institutional front because this fight is only beginning. Again, that's 25% off your Daily Wire membership with code election when you sign up today. If there's one thing 2020 has taught us it's that anything can happen. Also, go check out the wonderful Sunday special conversation that I had with Victor Davis Hansen over the weekend. We discussed everything from Trump to the future of the Republican Party to historical parallels in the United States. Victor is an amazing thinker and a terrific historian. I think you're really going to enjoy the episode. Go check out the Sunday special by subscribing. Remember, code election gets you 25% off at dailywire.com. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. Okay, so... While we are hearing about all of the unity and the healing and the wonderful time we're all going to have together, uh, it's exciting to see the Democrats coming out in full-scale celebration, a full-scale celebration of Donald Trump's loss. You're seeing people make statements that are just absolutely bizarre, right? The Democratic Socialists of America, for example, AOC's old party, they tweeted out, it's okay to celebrate the fall of a tyrant. Goodbye, Trump. Yeah, first of all, I think that you don't understand a lot of Princess Bride references on today's show. I don't think that that word means what you think it means. Okay, when a, when a president is subject to an election and then an election happens and then the president you think loses and then you expect that he's going to leave office, that's not called the fall of a tyrant. Okay, if Donald Trump were a tyrant, he'd be out shooting people in the streets right now. That's what tyrants do. The attempt to, to turn Trump, to spin him up into the gravest evil threat to Western democracy since Adolf Hitler is a complete rejection of all of the healing talk. You did that for four years. You suggested that he was a Russian cat's paw, that he was an incipient dictator, that he was Kim Jong-un, except orange and with bad hair, even worse hair than Kim Jong-un, right? I mean, this was your suggestion. None of it was true, none of it. And then you're out there saying, oh, well, it's the fall of a tyrant." Go after yourselves, man. I mean, seriously. Hillary Clinton celebrated this as a repudiation of Trump. She tweeted out, the voters have spoken and they have chosen Joe Biden and Kamala Harris to be our next president and vice president. Uh, By the way, she, she accepted the results of this election real fast, didn't she? Weird, she spent the last four years claiming that her failure was, a, was not a rejection of her, right? It wasn't a rejection of her. It was just a weirdness of the process. But Donald Trump was rejected thoroughly, according to Hillary Clinton. She says, it's a history-making ticket, a repudiation of Trump, a new page for America. Thank you to everyone who helped make this happen. Onward together. Yeah, queen unity here. Again, I'm not buying your unity crap. I'm not. I wish I could. I wish I, wish I were naive enough to believe that Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris all want unity with me. I really wish, I wish, because I've called for unity with people on the left side of the aisle so long as we share certain core values. We don't have to agree on taxes. We don't have to agree on key baseline issues. Traditional, like there there are many things we don't have to agree on in the United States. There are certain core values we do have to agree on. I talk about them in my book, How to Destroy America in Three Easy Steps. But you guys won't even agree with me on those. You won't agree with me that America is a historically great country. You won't agree with me that the principles of the Declaration of Independence are inherently good. You won't agree with me that individual rights pre-exist government. And that we have individual rights to free speech. And that means that sometimes we're gonna say things that offend each other, but that's okay. You won't agree with me that we have a culture of entrepreneurialism and private property that matters. You won't agree with me on any of this stuff. And then you're like, but let's unify. Yeah, I have a feeling I know what your unity means. Okay, Bill de Blasio was out there celebrating in the streets. So COVID's over, guys. This is exciting stuff. Here's Bill de Blasio out there celebrating in the streets saying it's just, it's a joyous day. He couldn't find any Orthodox Jews to lock up over in New York, apparently, yesterday. So here, here he was over the weekend.
1: It's liberation. It's just joyous. People have felt this weight and a sense of we're divided and we we shouldn't be that way. And now there's a feeling that anything's possible, that we can heal again, that we can move forward. And and look, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris did something amazing. This is turning out to be a huge victory all over the country, but it's also the beginning of the healing. That's what we need in this country, this city, everywhere. I'm
0: sorry. Bill de Blasio's type of healing is to hang out with the Sandinistas, right? I mean, like that Bill de Blasio, Captain Healing over here is out there rounding up the Jews who are trying to pray, but you got these giant-ass parties in the middle of New York City and breaking and looting on Fifth Avenue just a couple of months ago, and that was totally fine. Like, spare me. Spare me. Okay, how about some evidence of this? Okay, some people are gonna say, give him a chance. Okay, you have the chance. Anytime. I'm awaiting. I'm awaiting. And any sign that you materially mean you want healing and coming together, I am willing to hear it. Any sign that you're looking for bipartisanship, and I am willing to hear it, I am not getting a lot of that. And Bill de Blasio, a commie idiot, who runs New York in the stupidest possible fashion, suggesting it's an era of liberation. New York needs to be liberated from Bill de Blasio. Donald Trump is not the, the person who makes local policy in New York City. New York has turned into a hellhole, an empty hellhole, because Bill de Blasio is a garbage mayor, a horrifyingly bad mayor. But it's liberation in New York City. Again, because the media have been able to craft this narrative, it's one of the reasons that Trump had a bad election if indeed he ends up losing, right? The the reason is because the media crafted a lie. The lie was everything bad that happens in the United States is not our fault, it's orange man bad. And so when orange man bad goes away, well, then we are liberated. New York is liberated. New York needs to be liberated from Bill de Blasio, a garbage mayor who's presided over the demise of his own city. Okay, then there was the great hypocrisy of these giant crowd celebrations. So I've been hearing for months that if you went out there and you protested, against the lockdowns, you were a bad, terrible, no good, very bad person. If you went to a Donald Trump rally, you were endangering all of your fellow humans, right? If you went to a Donald Trump rally, you were a dangerous character. Hey, here's some video from all around the country of Joe Biden supporters, Democrats out in the streets, celebrating, look, dance parties in Washington, DC. Oh, look at that lady, she have a mask on? No, how about that lady, she have a mask on? Nope. How about that guy up there, mask? Nope. How about those people up there, no masks? Oh, weird, it doesn't matter anymore. COVID's over guys, COVID is the wokest virus ever. It is the wokest virus. Okay, here we are. This one is, uh, I believe, in uh, New York City. Actually, it looks like Washington, D.C. This is still in Washington, D.C. People are drinking out of a champagne bottle, and they are handing it around to others to drink out of the same bottle. This one, I believe, was in New York City. People jumping up and down and dancing. Anybody wearing a mask there? You see a lot of masks over there? You see that? Yeah, lots. I'm seeing tons of masks from the people in the center of the mosh pit, smiling at each other and dancing and spitting on each other. This is down in uh, Times Square. Big rally in Times Square. The virus is over, guys. So um, just uh, just going to make a point here. Either COVID stopped being dangerous or the media are damned liars, damned liars. You couldn't visit grandma in the hospital while she was dying because COVID is super dangerous. But you can be out there not wearing a mask protesting so long as it's, it's not even about something important anymore. Right. Remember when it was like, well, because racial injustice in America is a health problem. OK, that was a bullcrap argument in the first place. Now we get apparently just celebrating Trump not being in office is super important. How do we know that the media don't care about this? Because they say they don't care about this. CBS News reported, it's like the nation is having a giant block party, guys. It's incredible. In the middle of a pandemic. The same people who are saying you can't have your family over for Thanksgiving because Anthony Fauci says so. They're like, but they're having a block party because Trump's out of office and the virus don't care because the virus is woke, yeah. Here's the, uh, the idiots over at CBS News reporting it.
1: I call it unbridled exuberance. It's it's like Nora the the country's having a nationwide block party. You can go from city to city to city and for the most part see people just jumping out of their skins. I was just there on the corner of 44th and 8th talking 44th and Broadway asking a police officer so how do you think how's it going? He goes, the night is young, but I haven't seen this many people <laughs> this happy since a
0: Yankees championship. And <laughs> <laughs> um isn't there a pandemic? I was informed that half a million people were gonna die by the end of the year by Joe Biden. But apparently it no longer matters. Weird, very weird how it doesn't matter anymore. Aaron Rupar, who's the most dishonest pseudo-journalist in America. He, he uh, does this routine over at Vox.com where he quotes people out of context and then all of his lefty blue checkmark friends shoot it around the echo chamber of Twitter. He tweeted out, it's party time outside the White House. Big picture of huge crowds outside the White House celebrating the election. Okay, literally within the same day, that was at 11:16 a.m. on November 7th. The same day... 10.45 p.m. November 7th, giant party in after Notre Dame wins a, a game over, Clem, over Clemson. Not ideal during a worsening pandemic. Literally within 12 hours, right? So um, yeah, uh, you're utterly full of crap. All of you are utterly full of crap. It's almost as though COVID is just a malleable tool you can wield against your political opposition. I definitely trust our institutional media, our mainstream institutional media. On everything from, why, why won't I trust them? You think the underlying problems in America have somehow alleviated because the Democrats think they won the election? Yeah, good luck. I keep saying it over and over. It's true. Get mobilized. Get mobilized. If you're a conservative, the fight is just beginning. Because the left thinks they are in the ascendancy, they're not calling for healing. They're not calling for reunification. They're calling for you to sit down and shut up. And if you refuse to sit down and shut up, they will castigate you in the same way they did. President Trump, they don't hate hate you because they hate Trump. They hate Trump because they hate you. And that does not stop today. It did not stop yesterday. It did not stop the day before. Joe Biden is not going to be chiding his woke base or Michelle Obama or anybody in the media about this crap. He's going to be using it. Healing and unity for Joe Biden is a slogan. It is, a, it is a, an empty word that is to be used as a vessel for, for going after his political opposition. At no point will he have the balls to stand up to his own base. At no point. So get ready for it, okay? Because we all got to know this ain't about unity. This is about something very, very different. So meanwhile as I've been saying the media are just beside themselves right our objective media if there's one thing that is going to outlast this election cycle I think more than any other it's going to be the demise of the establishment media you know we're we're here at Daily Wire calling ourselves the replacement media there's a reason for that our media were worth 10 to 15 points for Joe Biden in this election cycle they are worth 10 points for Democrats in every election cycle they are sheer unmitigated garbage and now they're taking off the mask once and for all. So it was very clear when Trump became president that they were taking off the mask. That they were just going to become a democratic attack machine against President Trump and against all Republicans. Well, now that they think that Trump is out of office, again, there's a legal process underway for the 1,000th time in the show. There's a legal process underway to determine if that is in fact the case. The media are assuming it's over. And now they're taking off the mask and they are just, they're just celebrating out like everybody else. Like it's the end of Return of the Jedi and the Death Star has been blown up. And now you can get Don Lemon out there in the streets celebrating with the Ewoks. Really, really exciting stuff. So Don Lemon literally started to cry on the air and said he didn't expect to be so overwhelmed. This guy is objective, according to Brian Stelter, Captain Potato over at the CNN. Here was was Don Lemon. Don Lemon, objective journalist, crying on air about Donald Trump not being in office. But he's very objective, guys. Such an objective journalist.
1: I didn't expect to be so overwhelmed by that. I didn't realize the PTSD that many marginalized people that African-Americans, women, Latinos, people of color, all white people, PTSD that people are feeling around this country because we have had whiplash from someone who only cares about himself and not uniting people.
0: Okay, Don Lemon, meanwhile, tweeting out, I don't dare speak for my colleagues, but I can't tell you how difficult it's been as a journalist to cover this dark part of our history. Let's hope the attacks on journalists, journalism, and everyone end. Time to move into the light Hashtag America. <laughs> so much, I mean, honestly, like levels of journalism being unmatched by other humans. Don Lemon, objective journalist. Incredible, incredible. What, what a tough time he's had. Earning his millions of dollars. I mean, just really rough out there for Don Lemon. So tough. And Donald Trump has been so tough on journalists, he didn't arrest a single one, unlike Barack Obama, who actually did have journalists arrested and wiretapped. But it's been really rough because Donald Trump was mean to the members of the media. He was mean, and he said mean things because he's a mean man. But now everything's all better. We're moving into the light, guys. Does that bespeak objective journalism that we are moving into the light? Does that? Does that sound like an objective journalist to you? Meanwhile, over on MSNBC, they're like, we stopped the fascist. We did. You didn't do anything. Okay, you literally went on air from, your, from the safety of your home studios, and you jabbered a bit. And then you think Donald Trump lost the election. You didn't stop a fascist. It was called an election. But but the the self-aggrandizing nature of the media—it's why they're blowing themselves out. Here are the people over at MSNBC breaking out the uh, breaking out the whiskey.
1: To see someone like that, and for them to have voted for him in large numbers, it says that there is a potential for that to return. We've got to really keep that very much in mind.
0: Yeah, Brazil. You have Viktor Orbán uh, in Hungary. You have. All over the world, you have, you've, Poland is slipping backwards toward fascism. Right. I mean, it can happen anywhere. And is that really the moral of the story, that American exceptionalism isn't quite true? We, we are subject to the same potentials for fascistic deterioration of democracy as any other country. Oh, but we defeated fascism this time. But we could always slide back into fascism, you know, like, like the Poles or like the Czechs or like the Hungarians. Or, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Chris Hayes, meanwhile, was out there being a, a journalist himself, at least Chris Hayes. I think sometimes pretends to be a, a, an opinion journalist. He says, Trump and the GOP have already gotten a shocking number of people and killed and are about to get more killed, right? And then just to top that off, Chris Hayes, remember these are your, your, your journalistic betters. He added on top of that, I'm never gonna forget this. There are thousands and thousands of just normal Republican staffers who are complicit. They all work together on a project that just let our people be led to the slaughter for months and months, dying alone with no one around day after day. Super classy stuff there from the folks over at MSNBC. Meanwhile, our journalistic betters over at CNN, let me read you some headlines from our journalistic betters. You know, these are the people who keep America safe from darkness. Democracy does in fact die in darkness. This is a headline from Ben Smith over at the New York Times. The Trump presidency is ending. So is Maggie Haberman's wild ride. Oh, so I guess she's done here. Mission accomplished gang, put up the poster. Trump is gone. Why it's almost as though the media are now out there Openly acknowledging what we all knew to be true for years while they lied and said it was not true. Ben Smith writes, Maggie Haberman lives rent free in Donald Trump's head all over the front page of the New York Times and also in a brick house in an unglamorous Brooklyn neighborhood out beyond the city bikes and stately brownstones. On election night, as the votes started coming in, she was seated at her dining room table with her husband and one of her three children, drinking from a liter bottle of Foodtown raspberry seltzer, eating leftover Kit Kats from Halloween, typing and texting and still, still working her sources. That was the beginning of the end of one of the most astonishing runs in the history of American journalism. Ms. Haberman has been for the last four years, the source of a remarkably large share of what we know about Donald Trump and his White House. She's done more than a story a day on average and stories with her byline have accounted for hundreds of millions of page views this year alone. That's more than anyone else at the Times. Well, now her mission is over. Journalism is done, guys. No more journalism necessary because now you you can just stenograph all of the Democratic Party talking points and put them out there and pretend you're a journalist. Very, very exciting stuff happening. Meanwhile, over at CNN, Chris Chaliza, analyst, he put out there a sop about Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a man and a politician whose joys and sorrows, whose triumphs and tragedies have always followed hard on one another. Joy has been replaced by pain. Pain has given way to joy. Oh, well, I remember all those soft-hearted pieces about Donald Trump's triumph in 2016, don't you? Meanwhile, The New York Times reporting on the election. Reed Epstein, after warnings it could go off the rails, the election actually ran smoothly. Why weird? You were claiming for months and months and months and months that the mail-in balloting was going to be perverted by Donald Trump. You set up an entire narrative of voter suppression over at the New York Times and in many other media outlets. You kept saying it over and over. This election was going to go sideways. And then you think your guy won. And so the election went great. Amazing. Why, what a coincidence. The person you like, you think was elected. And suddenly the election was pure as the driven snow and clean as a whistle. Who could have predicted such a thing? If you trust the media, you're a dupe and you're a sap. The Washington Post has a long piece today, Voices from the Fight, an oral history of the four-year movement to defeat Donald Trump. Activists, politicians, and ordinary citizens reflect on Trump's presidency and the moments that compelled them to rise up. Is this in Slate? Is this in Salon? Nope. This is being reported by one, two, three, four, five reporters at the Washington Post, the movement to replace Donald Trump and how magical it was. What a magical moment. By the way, in this entire thousands word long piece, there's not a single mention, not a single mention of impeachment. Okay, it's not mentioned. Okay, it's, it's mentioned. Sorry, I'm wrong. It was mentioned very much later in here. But it's mentioned in the context of what a wonderful person Adam Schiff is. Right? The whole thing is about Adam Schiff and Brendan Boyle and how they stopped. They stopped the cruelty and malice. Not a single mention, by the way, of Russiagate and how that whole thing fell apart. Right? Not, not, a, not a single mention of the Steele dossier. I'm, I'm word searching the entire thing. Not a single mention of the Steele dossier anywhere in this entire piece. Not a mention of attempting to undermine Trump's presidency, nothing. It quotes Nancy Pelosi and Cecile Richards and various other members of the Democratic Party about how, how wonderful, how wonderful they are trying to get rid of Trump for years on end. And then finally they accomplished it. Oh, history has been made. Incredible, incredible journalism. Okay, why, why would you not trust these people? Why would you not trust these people? Okay, which brings us to the question of now that they think that, that Joe Biden has won, what exactly is Joe Biden supposed to do if he becomes president of the United States? So here is Joe Biden's big move. Okay, you ready? Here are Joe Biden's big moves coming up. He's announcing, wait for it, he's going to solve COVID. He said in his speech he was going to solve COVID. How's he going to solve COVID? He's announcing, wait for it, a task force. Boom! Done. COVID's over, guys. He's announcing a government task force. Well, I guess he had that plan and he said he had a plan and now he's going to start implementing that magic plan to end COVID, which starts with a bunch of members of the government talking with each other in a task force, which will definitely work because it has both the words task as well as force. It's not as though he was an empty vessel simply saying stupid crap for months on end, but he wasn't Donald Trump. No, he had a plan. And his plan was a task force, government task force. I mean, if only, if only Trump had known about government task forces, COVID would have ended earlier. As we all know, the single most efficient thing in the American government is like when I have a problem, I call a task force. When we got a problem at our house, Like let's say that there's a bit of a leak from the weather over here in Florida. I call a task force. Then I sit around for like several months and just talk about it. Task forces, the solution to everything. According to Axios, Joe Biden plans Monday to name a 12 member task force team to combat and contain the spread of the coronavirus. Wow. Wow. Ooh. Some members of the group have been advising Biden throughout the campaign, both the public policy challenges, as well as adopting health protocols for the campaign itself to prevent the spread of the virus in Biden's inner circle. Well, I mean, I, I guess that, that problem solved, guys. Very, very exciting stuff. A COVID task force. I guess the virus is just going to... The virus is running scared now, gang. Meanwhile, Biden is planning a bunch of executive orders. What exactly are those executive orders? Well, apparently, he is going to uh, he's going to sign an executive order to not support the, the DACA dreamers, which you knew was coming. He's going to sign an executive order to end the so-called muslim ban which is in fact not a muslim ban it is a ban on people coming in from various specific countries that have been labeled state sponsors of terrorism also he's going to be signing some executive orders on uh, on family separation policy and all, like are any of these like seriously major orders not really it's it's all just kind of executive orders that undo some of the things that trump did He's going to rejoin the Paris Climate Accords, which, of course, is completely worthless without enabling legislation. You need a piece of legislation that actually enables that to, to become part of American law. Otherwise, Paris Climate Accords, they don't actually mean anything, as everybody who knows anything knows. He's going to reverse Trump's withdrawal from the WHO because the WHO has done an amazing job in propagandizing on behalf of the Chinese government. That's pretty much it. Ooh, well, I, I guess world-changing stuff here from, from Joe Biden. All of which has led to a battle inside the Democratic Party. When I say the fight is just beginning, I don't just mean between conservatives and everybody else. I mean between the left wing of the party and the not crazy left wing of the party. So AOC is going at it with Abigail Spanberger from Virginia, and now Connor Lamb from uh, Pennsylvania. So Connor Lamb spoke out about AOC, and he said that she is actually, you know, damaging the Democratic Party. Right? She's making it difficult for people in purple districts to win. She immediately went back at Connor Lamb. And she said, Lamb spent 2000 bucks on Facebook the week before the election. I don't think anybody who's not on the internet in a real way and loses an election can blame anyone else when you're not even really on the internet. There's only one problem with that, by the way, which is that Connor Lamb is probably going to win his race in Pennsylvania. Connor Lamb did, in fact, fight back in what I thought was one of the great burns uh, of, of, the, of the relatively modern era. He said that he's excited about AOC's enthusiasm. Sorry, the representative, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez de Twitch. He's very excited about Ocasio-Cortez's enthusiasm, and he's especially excited about her enthusiasm in low turnout Democratic primaries, which is a subtle burn, considering that she won a low turnout Democratic primary in Brooklyn and now has become an ideological leader of the Democratic Party. There's trouble brewing in Democrat land, serious trouble brewing in Democrat land. By the way, when I say there's serious trouble brewing in Democrat land, I mean, there's a good shot that they don't win the Senate in Georgia. And I got to say, Chuck Schumer, over the weekend. So this is the big thing, right? This election very much is going to come down to the two Senate runoff races in Georgia. Both of those are happening in January. They're going to decide the constituency of the Senate. Democrats need to win both. In one of them, you have John Ossoff running against David Perdue. David Perdue just beat Ossoff, but he didn't get above 50%. He got like 49.9%. And so he's going to have to run against Ossoff again. Ossoff has now lost a contested House race. He's lost a contested Senate race. He's going to lose again in January. But we all need to get involved. If you're a conservative and you don't want Chuck Schumer running running roughshod over the Constitution with the help of President Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi. Those Georgia races mean nearly everything. In the other race, you have Kelly Loeffler, who's gonna be running against a, a reverend named Warnock. Warnock only got about 33% of the vote in, these, uh, in the open primaries. And uh, the Republican combined vote was closer to 50%. Republicans are favored in both races. Chuck Schumer is, Chuck Schumer is so, he's either incompetent, or he is deliberately pushing for the Republicans to win the Senate. I don't know any other way to put this. When I say there are divides in the Democratic Party, this is what I mean. Here's Chuck Schumer, the Senate Minority Leader. He literally said what will be the Republican ad from now until January. He said, if you give us Georgia, we will completely transform the country. Now, let's just be straight about this. The reason that Georgia apparently went blue in this election is not because voters of Georgia are wildly to the left. It's because black voter turnout, particularly in the mail-in balloting in Georgia, was extremely, extremely high. You think that's replicable for a special election Senate race in Georgia that's going to decide the fate of the Senate? I have serious, serious doubts. Okay, in any case, here is Chuck Schumer basically just cutting a campaign ad for Republicans.
1: Now we take Georgia, and then we change the world. Yeah! I'm sorry, can you repeat that, Mr. Schumer? Now we take Georgia, and then we change America.
0: Okay, so first we change Georgia, then we change America. That is going to be the rallying cry for Republicans in Georgia. Those races matter an awful lot because Joe Biden facing down a Republican Senate majority, he's going to have a serious problem. All of this is bubbling under the surface. So for all the happy talk in the media, the media have a problem. For all the happy talk from Joe Biden, Joe Biden has a problem. For all the happy talk from Democrats, the Democrats have a problem. The underlying ideological issues in the United States, philosophical issues in the United States, they've not been alleviated by this election. And the truth must be told, this fight is only just beginning, no matter which way the presidential race goes. So get motivated, get motivated. It all starts in Georgia. Go over to Kelly Loeffler's website, give to her campaign. Go over to David Perdue's website, give to his campaign. Control. It all starts with control of the Senate. You put a check and a break on Joe Biden, and Republicans have all the momentum moving forward. All righty, we'll be back here later today with two additional hours of content. Otherwise, we'll be back here with you tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Klavan Show, The Michael Moles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Colton Haas. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Our associate producers are Nick Sheehan and Rebecca Doyle. The show is edited by Adam Sayevitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Koromina. Aaron Makeup is by Nika Geneva. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020.
1: Hey everyone, it's Andrew Claven, host of the Andrew Clavin Show. Joe Biden says he's going to heal our wounds. The left says they're going to take our names and get revenge. Donald Trump says not so fast, clowns. This ain't over yet. We'll talk about it all on the Andrew Claven Show.